I'm Maria Titizian. And I'm Rubina Margosian, and welcome to the Week in Review for the week of April 15. In the news, Armenia's Prime Minister says international community is asking Armenia to slightly lower its bar on the final status of Nagorno-Karabakh. Opposition parliamentarians are barred from entering Artsakh by Russian peacekeepers. Azerbaijani president says that for there to be peace in the region, Armenia must be demilitarized. This week, Prime Minister Nigol Pashinyan made several statements in Parliament that raised serious concerns regarding the future status of Artsakh. During a speech summarizing his government's performance for the previous year, Pashinyan said that the international community has been clearly and unequivocally telling Armenia that being the only country in the world that does not recognize the territorial integrity of Turkey's ally Azerbaijan is a grave danger not only for Artsakh but also for Armenia. According to the Prime Minister, the international community is urging Armenia to slightly lower its bar on the final status of Nagorno-Karabakh to ensure greater international consolidation around Armenia and Artsakh. Pashinyan said that otherwise, the international community has made it clear that the Armenian people cannot rely on them, not because they don't want to help, but they will not be able to help. Pashinyan also noted that for Armenia, the Nagorno-Karabakh conflict is not an issue of territory, but an issue of rights, adding that guarantees for the security of the people of Artsakh, the protection of their rights, and the clarification of the status of Artsakh is a priority for Armenia. Speaking about the 2020 Artsakh war, Pashinyan said that even if he had managed to prevent the war from breaking out, the outcome would have been the same without the loss of thousands of victims. He went further and said that it would not have been possible to stop or prevent the war without sacrificing Shushi. The prime minister said that upon assuming office, he was briefed that the negotiations had reached a dead end, but that it was difficult for him to convince himself and the public that for 30 years Armenia had not been able to build a strong army and that the sacrifices that had been made for Artsakh in the last 30 years had been in vain. Pashinyan also spoke about his recent meeting with Azerbaijani President Ilham Aliyev and uh, President Charles Michel of the EU in Brussels. Um, He noted that it should be very clear to everyone and no one should have any illusions otherwise that Azerbaijan was attempting to lead the peace process as well as the delimitation demarcation process to a dead end preparing ground for new aggressions against Armenia and Artsakh. During the speech in Parliament, Pashinyan stated that the bilateral withdrawal of the armed forces from the borderline was never a precondition for the Armenian side. It was only assumed that a proper delimitation could only take place if there was stability on the border. Insisting on the withdrawal of the armed forces would have brought the negotiations process to a deadlock, Pashinyan stressed, thus Armenia had to show flexibility in Brussels. The Prime Minister also claimed that negotiations with Azerbaijan had hit a brick wall by 2016. It was a dead end as Azerbaijan stopped accepting solutions that were unacceptable even for Armenia. He also stated that a scenario in which Artsakh would be independent or have some sort of intermediate status was gradually pushed off the negotiation agenda, adding that while um, former President Serge Sarkisian was among Armenian politicians who were against this, what is being called a step-by-step solution of the conflict in 1998, he ended up by negotiating 
a step-by-step solution. The Prime Minister added that upon assuming office, he was given a document negotiated by Sarkisian titled On the First Stage and Further Steps in the Settlement of the Nagorno-Karabakh Conflict, which according to Pashinyan indicates that Sarkisian was negotiating this step-by-step approach. Yesterday, Sarkisian's office published a section of that document, including the title, claiming that the title does not mean that it is not a package solution, as even a package solution would also have to be realized step by step. And just to try to explain the difference, the package solution, patetain as they say in Armenia, of the conflict tackled the legal status of Artsakh and security issues together as one package, while the step-by-step approach entailed a phased process under which Armenia would gradually return the regions that had come under its control during the first Gharapakh war back in the 1990s, uh, security guarantees would be provided by international peacekeepers, and the legal status of Artsakh would be decided at some later stage, which was, um, you know, kind of in the air. And commenting on Pashinyan's statement, parliamentary opposition Armenia Alliance faction member Geram Manukyan stated that Nigol Pashinyan and his team have failed the negotiation process and are trying to blame the international community for the concessions they are making. And, uh, you know, obviously Artsakh uh, or the government of Artsakh responded in response to Pashinyan's statement. Artsakh's president, Araik Harutyunyan, convened a meeting um, that included the foreign minister, the secretary of the Security Council and parliamentary forces on April 13. Harutyunyan stated that Artsakh would never stop fighting for its right to self-determination. And yesterday, Artsakh's National Assembly issued a statement calling on the Armenian government to renounce its current position, which they considered to be catastrophic, that the so-called Armenia-Azerbaijan peace agenda and the negotiation process to annex Artsakh to Azerbaijan, as well as the signing of the resulting document, undermines not only the statehood of Artsakh, but also the inalienable right of the Armenians of Artsakh to live in their historic homeland. According to the statement, no government has the right to lower the bar of internationally recognized self-determination to a status unacceptable to Artsakh under the pretext of peace. I'm just going to read uh, you know, a passage from that statement. Um, On behalf of the Armenians of Artsakh, the parliament appeals to Armenians all over the world to stand united by Armenia and Artsakh to the leadership of the Russian Federation and the peacekeeping mission to not allow allow anyone to manipulate the problems that arise as a basis for questioning the further security of the people of Artsakh and to the leaders of the OSCE Minsk Group co-chair countries to make efforts to maintain the only international mandate for the settlement of the Nagorno-Karabakh conflict regardless of all other disagreements. And today, President Aray Harusunyan signed a decree on publishing or disseminating information during the regime of martial law declared in Artsakh since the outbreak of the war in 2020. According to the new rules, any military information, non-military information related to state security information and publications on the border situation, publication and transmission of information materials, interviews, reports, other information on military equipment, the armed forces and other troops, as well as as any information directly related to them should be done exclusively with reference to 
the official information provided or published by state bodies. Under the new rules, propaganda against the defense capacity and security of Artsakh is also prohibited. Earlier this week, on April 11, Armenia's Foreign Minister Ararat Mirzoyan held a phone conversation with his Azerbaijani counterpart, Jehun Bayramov. After the trilateral meeting between Pashinyan Aliyev and Michel last week in Brussels, um, it was decided that the foreign ministers of Armenia and Azerbaijan would uh, begin preparing the groundwork for negotiations for a potential peace treaty. According to Armenia's foreign ministry, the ministers exchanged views on the creation of the Commission on Delimitation and Border Security, preparation of peace negotiations, and addressing humanitarian issues. Jehum Bayramov described the phone conversation as constructive, stating that for Azerbaijan, it is important that Armenia has accepted the five-point proposal. Following that phone conversation, EU Special Representative to the South Caucasus, Toivo Klar, tweeted that the EU is supportive of direct contact and engagement. Commenting on the role of the EU in the settlement of the Nagorno-Karabakh conflict, Russia's Foreign Ministry Representative Spokesperson Maria Zakharova stated that the normalization of relations between Armenia and Azerbaijan are based on the November 9, January 11, and November 26 statements, all mediated by Russia, adding that Russia will continue to support the normalization of relations between Armenia and Azerbaijan. And on April 9, a couple of days earlier, Russia's President Vladimir Putin held telephone conversations with Nikol Pashinyan as well as Ilham Aliyev discussing the outcome of the Brussels meeting. Yesterday, Maria Zakharova also announced that Igor Khovayev, the Russian co-chair of the OS Siemens Group, was appointed as the special representative of Russia's foreign ministry for the Armenia-Azerbaijan normalization processes, adding that his main objective will be the preparation for a peace treaty. According to Zakharova, Khovayev was given the new position because the U.S. and France have stopped cooperating with Russia within the OS Siemens Group since February 24. This is when uh, Russia launched an offensive against Ukraine. And last week, Russia's uh, Foreign Minister Sergei Lavrov also announced that the French and U.S. co-chairs refused to cooperate with Russia within the Minsk Group. Also yesterday, U.S. State Department spokesperson Ned Price announced during a press briefing that the United States stands ready to engage bilaterally and with like-minded partners including through the, uh, their role as an OSC Minsk Group co-chair to help Armenia and Azerbaijan find a long-term comprehensive peace. And the OSC Minsk Group French co-chair was in Armenia this week, and he met with uh, Prime Minister Nigol Pashinyan, Foreign Minister Arnizoyan, and Security Council Secretary Arben Grigorian. During the meetings, the role of the OSC Minsk Group and its French co-chairmanship uh, were discussed uh, and in the context of the settlement of the Nagorno-Karabakh conflict. There are Armenian officials also presented the latest developments in the village of Paruch in Artsakh and Armenian-Azerbaijani relations to the French diplomat. On April 11, the French Foreign Ministry announced that France reaffirms its full commitment to promoting peace and stability in the South Caucasus region as a bilateral partner and in its capacity as both president of the Council of the European Union and co-chair of the Minsk Group. So obviously these are statements being made uh, in response to Lavrov's statements last week, right, that it's basically dead, the OSA Minsk Group, yeah. Yes. And speaking of Paruch, on April 12th, Russia's peacekeeping mission in Artsakh announced that an Armenian soldier had been wounded near the village and that uh, their forces had settled the issue by reaching agreements with the parties of the conflict. No further details were reported. Authorities in Artsakh have not made any announcements about the incident. 
Amid talks of establishing peace between Armenia and Azerbaijan, Ilham Aliyev announced that in order to establish lasting peace in the region, Armenia must no longer be armed, adding that Armenia does not have enough means to arm itself, thus other countries must stop enabling it. He also stated that if any country continues to allocate funds for Armenia's um, you know, military for it to arm itself, Azerbaijan will regard it as an unfriendly gesture and will respond appropriately. Aliyev also stated that Azerbaijan restored the gas supply to Artsakh, um, just for our listeners, you know, we, for weeks on end, the the residents of Artsakh were denied uh, any gas because there had been some uh, apparently damage to the pipeline. But he said that they restored the gas supply as a sign of goodwill and expressed hope that the Armenians in Artsakh would appreciate the move, adding that they are citizens of Azerbaijan and must live under its flag. And on the note of goodwill on uh, in Azerbaijan, uh, this week the U.S. State Department published the 2021 country report on human rights uh, practices. In the report concerning Azerbaijan, it states that the Azerbaijani government acknowledged holding 41 Armenian detainees, but that there were allegations disputed by the Azerbaijani government that at least 25 Armenian servicemen disappeared after being taken into Azerbaijani custody. The report also mentions that the Armenian detainees were not permitted to select their own legal representation during public trials. And according to the report, uh, credible information emerged during the year regarding unlawful killings during intensive fighting between Azerbaijani and Armenian forces during the 2020 Artsakh War. It also says that Azerbaijani forces abused soldiers and civilians held in their custody. Well, I mean, these video images uh, were coming up throughout the war and not only in the past year but and on april 12th members of armenia's parliamentary opposition factions armenia and i have the honor alliances were banned from entering artsakh by russian peacekeeping forces at the time of the incident the opposition uh, parliamentarians were not given any explanation for the travel ban well earlier that day at the beginning of uh, the parliament session in yerevan armenia alliance member seran ohanian who's a former defense minister stated that the opposition factions would be boycotting the session because the ruling civil contract party refused to address Armenia's border issues and the status of Artsakh, which should be their number one priority. Hence, they were uh, planning to travel to Artsakh and Armenia's border regions where, according to Ohanian, this is where the real issues are. Ohanian concluded his speech by placing the flag of Artsakh on the podium in the National Assembly, and then the opposition MPs left and um, to go to Artsakh. And following the incident at the Armenia-Artsakh border, Armenia's foreign ministry issued a statement raising concerns regarding the travel ban, stating that the action contradicts the November 9 statement, which envisages the unimpeded connection of Nagorno-Karabakh with Armenia through the Lachin Corridor. According to the foreign ministry, all parties to the agreement must strictly adhere to its provisions as well as fulfill their obligations. The opposition parliament members that were denied entrance to Artsakh claimed that Pashinyan had arranged the travel ban as part of his secret deals with Azerbaijani President Ilham Aliyev. Commenting on the travel ban, Russia's, uh, again, foreign ministry rep, Maria Zakharova, stated that the Russian peacekeeping forces in Artsakh had not been informed about the visit of the Armenian parliamentarians to Artsakh in advance, announcing that given the recent tensions on the border, Russia expects that no side will try to further 
strained the situation. On April 13, um, Arat Mirzoyan, Armenia's foreign minister, announced during the parliament Q&A session that the Russian peacekeepers did not allow the opposition parliamentarians to enter Artsakh in order to avoid provocations. The opposition members had announced that they had also planned to meet with government officials while in Artsakh. Yesterday, Turkey's Foreign Minister Mavlut Çavuşoğlu announced on Turkish TV that the next meeting between Special Envoys Ruben Rubinyan and Sidir Kilik will take place in Vienna. A date for the meeting has not been announced yet. Çavuşoğlu also called on the Armenian government to take bold steps and move the next phase of negotiations to Ankara and Yerevan, stating that the Turkish side is ready to visit Yerevan first. Çavuşoğlu also stated that if establishing relations and opening borders are on the agenda, there should not be any talk about third countries. As a reminder, the special envoys of Armenia and Turkey have met twice so far. Uh, the first meeting took place in Moscow on January 14, and the second meeting was held in Vienna on February 24. Uh, and today, Armenia's foreign ministry uh, spokesperson, Vahan Hunanyan, uh, said that during um, previous normalization attempts, uh, meetings were held in Armenia and Turkey, both at the level of you know, the negotiators, the envoys, and even presidents, but that no result was achieved. Adding that the important thing is uh, to have his political will to achieve normalization and the readiness to undertake uh, clear steps. This is according to Hunanyan. Uh, he also said that the Armenian side is demonstrating both, uh, both of these and expects the same from Turkey, and that if there is a will, the place of the meeting will become purely a logistical issue. He also stated that the proposal to hold meetings uh, of the special representatives in Armenia and Turkey indicates that in Turkey's perception, the process is solely bilateral, adding that in this case, it would be logical that the Turkish side not make almost weekly statements that they uh, advance the process in coordination with Azerbaijan. Right, because of what they're saying all the time. Of well, course. it's good that they're not suggesting that they meet in Baku. <laughs> Commenting on Çavuşoğlu's remark regarding taking bold steps, Unanyan stated that the Armenian side has repeatedly demonstrated its readiness to move forward. As an example, he brought, um, you know, the fact that Arad Mirzoyan had participated in the Antalya diplomatic forum and the lifting of Armenia's economic embargo. Unanyan also said that the Armenian side has offered to open the land borders for holders of diplomatic passports as a first step, but that the Turkish side is hesitating, adding that this will be a small but substantive and logical step if they were to do that. And now to local news. On April 12, Armenia's Minister of Education announced that given the influx of Russian citizens and businesses into Armenia, the ministry suggests increasing the number of Russian language classes in Armenia's schools. According to the ministry, the Russian classes will be primarily created for Russian speakers and foreigners. Last week, Russia's Foreign Minister Sergei Lavrov uh, had announced that Russia and Armenia had agreed to increase the number of Russian schools in Armenia. On April 12, Armen Pambukjan was appointed as the new Minister of Emergency Situations. Prior to his appointment, Pambukjan held the position of First Deputy Minister of Emergency Situations. The former minister, Antranik Biloyan, was arrested on April 1 on corruption charges. And the World Bank predicts Armenia's economic growth to be 1.2% this year due to the Russia-Ukraine war. Before the war, the World Bank's forecast for Armenia's economic growth was 5.3%. The World Bank cites lower remittances and uh, real wages impacting consumption, heightened uncertainty impacting investment, and slowing global and regional growth as reasons for this forecast. And on April 13, Armenia was elected to the UN Committee on Non-Governmental Organizations, 
elections for the term of 2023-2026. Armenia was elected to this body for the first time. In the course of its membership, Armenia will contribute to the more active and meaningful engagement of civil society and non-governmental organizations in the UN processes. And that's how the week has been here in Armenia. Thank you for listening. Have a good weekend, and we will be back again next week.